two weeks after the spring-loaded event. What are your thoughts, Rob? Your, your kind of digested thoughts on it? I thought that it was it was better than I was expecting. So, you know, we were all led to believe that there was not going to be an iMac, although, you know, I had my suspicions based on the, the Easter eggs in the uh, in the springy logo and that sort of thing. But I don't know. It's, you, can, you can never tell with Apple. And it may be that, you know, I mean, sometimes I'm sure we'll never find out, but they often, I'm sure, have got lots more that they would like to show that they end up having to pull at the last minute or, you know, things don't go entirely according to plan. Yeah. But overall, I thought it was good. I mean, obviously, the production value was stellar. It was like a mini movie. I particularly, you know, loved the uh, the Mission Impossible <laughs> Tim sketch. <laughs> that uh, was very pleasing. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I, I, I thought it was a good event. I, th- I thought there was plenty of stuff to, to enjoy. And I, although when I first watched it and I looked at the things that were being presented, I was a bit, meh. Hmm. But, you know, now we're a couple of weeks on and I've had a bit more time to think about it. I'm, I'm actually much more excited about what's coming in the future. So yeah. we'll get into that a bit later, I guess. No, definitely. Yeah, I'm the same, really. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I think I love these events. Uh, I'm not, I've never been a big fan of the whole kind of on stage clapping rah-rah stuff at all might be the, the Britishness yeah. in me possibly the but whooping and cheering yeah exactly I, I, I guess they're probably going to go back to that at some stage I mean we, we, obviously WWDC is I think online only again isn't it uh, next month I believe so yeah um, no one knows what Apple's doing next so whether or not I don't know if they're going to keep this up but I'd love to see them do something like a bit of a hybrid thing where they do they have these kind of really highly produced to the point ish um, sort of product reveals and stuff uh, but but I know the development community want more in terms of one-on-one stuff and you know kind of meetings in person. Uh, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't I just don't don't know what they're going to do going forward because they, they seem to have made a bit of a rod, rod for their own backs, like you say, because they're so well produced and they're so engaging and so much fun to watch. Um, and yet yeah, they've built that Steve Jobs theatre, haven't they? That that's sitting there unused virtually. Yeah, I can't see them letting that go to waste. But on the other hand, when Tim is on camera, Mr. Cook, he seems a bit more comfortable. I don't think he's ever really... He's not a showman, is he? He's not He's not a Steve Jobs, and he's never tried to be a Steve Jobs. But he always seems just a little bit uncomfortable on the stage and yeah. quite happy and eager even to hand over to you know one of the product leads um, to have them walk the audience through whatever it is that they need to demonstrate so i don't know he seems he seems happier yeah on these video um productions that they do well it's less stress it's less um i suppose uh pressure really because you can retake stuff can't you so it's not the end of the world but mm-hmm. but none of them really I mean, some of the people that they've got involved now are a little bit more um i suppose polished on camera and stuff but generally speaking they're all like tech Tech, techies or nerds or in, in Tim's case you know logistics people aren't they they're not, they're not they're not made to go on on film or on stage and start talking enthusiastically about stuff but yeah I agree I, th- I, th- I think he does a really good job and, he, and he's on screen for just long enough isn't he because you don't, you don't expect him to start you know stand there and start talking about the, the next iPad or the, the Apple TV really um, he leaves that to the people that that can really can really kind of show those products off hmm it's always nice to see him, though. It wouldn't be the same without him. It's blessing me, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, we've only got him for 10 years, apparently. He's only got 10 years left, so we've just a yeah, decade read, left of Tim I Cook. I something about that. I forget <laughs> where. Um, 
let's let's go through some of the products. We'll, unlike every other podcast, we'll do it out of order, just for a laugh. Okay. Uh, yeah. Why, not, why don't we do that? And why don't we start? With, yeah. <laughs> and why don't we start with the iPad Pro? Because I know that um, you and I have had, had slightly differing thoughts on this. Oh yeah, let's. <laughs> <laughs> Firstly, it just in I suppose in defence of the iPad Pro, from my perspective, I I love it. I've always loved that device. I, I bought the first one when I can't think what year it was. Was it 2015 or 16 or something? Maybe slightly later. Um, but I remember the very first big. 12.9 inch iPad Pro. I just had to buy it. And I had a really bad experience, which I've only just remembered actually with, with buying that, that particular uh, device that I had to keep sending it back. There was always something wrong with it. So I think the first one had a scratch or something weird on the screen. Um, another one um, got into a boot loop. There, there was these kind of a chain of really odd problems that I had with these um, iPad Pros. And the last one turned up and I got it out of the box and it looked fine until I put it on the table and realized it was bent. Which I've to this day I've only just remembered this to this day I've never had an Apple product arrive completely brand new bent out of the box, so that was my first experience of the iPad Pro. But I did eventually get one that was you know as it should have been, and so yeah. To cut a long story short, I do love the iPad Pro, but I as well, if anyone's seen my videos and blogs on it, I'm not that excited about the M1 being put in it. But I think you are. I am. I'm extremely excited, um, not because of what it can do today, because. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> there's the there's the you know the ongoing argument, which is not one that Apple has started, and they've made every effort to you know steer the conversation away from this argument. But everyone comes back to this: you know, can the iPad finally replace your laptop? And it was never designed to do that, in my opinion. I mean, even from the moment that it was presented, it was a a brand new you know, new category of device that sits somewhere between your phone and your main computing device. Now, I mean, I personally use my iPad Pro for lots of stuff. So I'm really into shortcuts and really maximizing everything that you can do with it. And that, for me, you know, shortcuts on the iPad Pro is the is the single biggest reason to use one over either your phone or, well, so you can do the shortcuts on your phone, but it's too small. Um, to do any real work on. So it's the, it's the main reason to use the iPad Pro over your main desktop computer. I mean, on the Mac, you've got Apple Script and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's, it's so much more in depth. And so the beauty of shortcuts is it makes it really easy to take the, your favorite bits of your favorite applications and then sort of mash it up into a workflow to produce an output in far less time than it would take you to go from app A to app B to app C or whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. Hmm. So when they go presenting a new iPad Pro with an M1, my mind goes off into, you know, wild thoughts about, you know, what the future could bring. Hmm. So, yeah, so today for most people, I can understand why people are like, well, why why have you done that? Why have you put an M1? You know, the iPad was, it was already too powerful and, you know, everyone's just, using it to watch Netflix and whatever, which is an appalling waste of the, the technology. But I, I, I get it. I mean, it's, it's not, it's an entirely new way of interacting with a computing device. And, you know, we've had the keyboard and mouse for 50 years. People are comfortable with that. And, you know, although like the likes of you and I, we've been using computers for a very long time, and we're sort of you know pretty familiar with it. I think they've only really become mainstream and the internet has become mainstream in the last, you know, 15, 20 years, which mm. is not a 
massive amount of time. You, you set that against the iPad, which has only been around for you know ten years, just over ten years, and you know it's it's maturing. It's still a fledgling way to interact with a computing device. So I'm excited because when when you give developers the kind of power that's on tap with the M1 they're going to do some amazing things. And I, I genuinely think that we're going to see something crazy at WWDC. I mean, cer- certainly at least the first-party apps. If we don't see Final Cut, Logic, um, then mm. I would be very surprised because I think all roads are leading to pro applications being available on the iPad so that you can take your workflow from the desktop to, you know, on set or on location or wherever it is and be able to do your stuff mm. regardless of the context that you're in. And that wouldn't have been possible previously. But now you've got everything's running on the same chip, can all be running the same code. The only thing that needs to change is the, the front end, the, the, the user interface layer, yeah. which will be optimized for either a keyboard and mouse context or a touch context but ultimately give you access to the same tools regardless of the device that you're using. Yeah. I've had more time to think about this. I mean, I still think for for a video editing point of view, I've never used LumaFusion. This is just my ignorance, really. I I should take time to try this stuff out. But um, I I think, like I've mentioned before, I I just don't feel the urge to do it yet. However, uh, the idea of logic on the iPad does get me a little bit more interested. I know at the minute we've got that, I don't know if you've, if you've used it yourself, but they've got this kind of, um, they call it the remote app for Logic. And it's quite smart, actually. It's, it's, it's much more than just a second screen. You can interact with it. You know, you can interact with the mixer on it. You can use it for to interact with, uh, you know, with with, um, with plugins and all sorts of stuff. So it's, it's actually quite a usable thing rather than just, you know, giving you an extra bit of screen real estate. Um, but again, it feels a bit gimmicky. I just, I've never really carried on using it. It just feels like it's there for just for the purpose of being there. Whereas the idea, like you say, of perhaps grabbing my M1 iPad Pro, taking it to a coffee shop or something and, and carrying on working on a project in Logic, that is actually quite exciting. Uh, I, I completely agree. I think the worry with that, when it comes with to Logic, and this isn't really Apple's fault, or it's not certainly not their, their biggest issue to deal with, is the reliance on third-party plugins third-party synths that sort of stuff i know at the moment the m1 um, i've got a couple of there's a couple of things that i i tend to use in logic that i just can't use on the m1 at all so native instruments they've got a couple of synths that just don't work on the m1 even through rosetta or anything so i just wonder how how it would kind of apply to an m1 ipad version of logic running third-party stuff like you say the first party side of things that would be no issue it will come out it will work all of the logic built-in stuff will work perfectly but it is it's such a huge uh, community and range around third-party plugins similar story on final cut but not quite as much um but again that's something that will develop over time i appreciate that so yeah so logic that does get me excited but it, it all hangs on wwdc doesn't it i think all, all of the comments i've seen on uh, on my videos, on other videos, and you know, from people writing about this in tech press, is that is like you said yourself. There's got to be something pretty exciting announced. My worry with it, I think, as I've mentioned in the Discord server, is that they just add widgets. Yeah, I I will be very sad if all we yeah. get is uh, you know is widgets on the home screen instead of that stupid bar <laughs> on the left hand side of the screen. I don't think they will, but there is that back in the back of my mind. I'm thinking, do they do that classic Apple thing? where they get you all excited about something and then they don't quite deliver yet. I don't know. I think they're, they're pretty, they're going 
all in on M1. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if it's not only first-party stuff, but they've also got Affinity on board. Because, I mean, they when they first announced the M1, they got Affinity in to talk about you know, how brilliant their applications ran on the M1. So it wouldn't surprise me. And in fact, I mean, the Affinity apps are already very good on the iPad. But if they you know, can unify their code base and you can have full everything regardless of your context, then that would be quite something. So, I would, yeah, if, if they're going to announce something along the lines of... Because, you know, we can do it already. We can already run iOS apps on an M1 Mac. And it's horrible. It's a really bad experience at the moment. Have you done it? Have you, what, what have, you, have you tried stuff? Um, I have tried an app called Fabulous, which is like a habit-changing app. Now, I, I first used this on Android, hmm. and, and it was only available on Android, I think, and then it later came to iOS, and I didn't realise. Um, so I was looking for stuff that I could run, and it sort of came up, in I think, in a curated list of stuff. And, yeah, I can see why Apple have always taken this um, really black-and-white view of you've got stuff that is designed for a keyboard and mouse, and you've got stuff that's designed for touch. And if you try to merge those two things, you end up with Windows 8. And, you know, that's that's a fair point. You know, we've seen it. It wasn't great. And, you know, and it's still not great. You, you, you're trying to do a mishmash of touch and pointer-based input doesn't work. No. So I, I haven't ventured into it too much because pretty much the stuff that I use most of the time has got native Mac applications anyway so i haven't got a need to use any ios apps on the mac mm. i have tried it out of curiosity and it wasn't brilliant LumaFusion, for example is pretty terrible if you try and run it on the mac is it it's oh, okay. beautiful on an imac on, a, on an ipad pro but uh, on the mac it's pretty grim so at wwdc if they're thinking well okay or, or you know we're we're hoping that they flip that around and say well actually a developer could now publish their app to the mac app store and you know tick a box compile a version that is that will you know use the appropriate user interface elements for the ipad um i it's possible Hmm. you know it's it's perfectly reasonable that they could do that so you as a developer could write your application and you could say yes actually i want this to appear in the ipad store as well and have what is it, you know, if all of the power of your Mac app, the same sort of stuff that's going, the gubbins behind the scenes mm. running, whether you're, you've opened it on your iPad or whether you've opened it on the Mac. And so it requires a bit more thought as to how they would go about doing that because yeah. um, the thing about the iPads is you've got things like the sort of slide over and the split screen and it's sort of all a little bit, it gets a bit complicated. So I don't know whether, certainly initially I imagine they would limit it to you know, full screen only, I guess or so. something like that. But yeah, that, this, this is why I'm excited. I I think that now that the Mac and the iPad Pro are running the same chip, and uh, and the developers have got access to all of that power, hmm. which I mean, fair enough, they had a fair bit of power to begin with for the A12X and A14 or whatever. But I th- I think the M1 is a slightly different beast and. 
I'm really excited, genuinely excited to see what happens at WWDC. Yeah. I'll be sorely disappointed if all, all we get is widgets. Well, the, <laughs> they've set themselves up for this, haven't they? They've, they've got to, they've got to do something, surely. Um, I think we've got a show title there, by the way. Or if, if all we get is widgets, um, <laughs> but I think yeah, if they do, like I say, if they do that classic Apple thing of not quite meeting expectations with a very, very big release and just doing the the sort of bare minimum, the cleanest thing possible with um, iPad OS, that. I'm the same. I'll be very disappointed because it it just feels like it, it it's due. Uh, it it's been neglected. I think over the last couple of at least the last two WWDCs, it's been pretty much left to to one side really. Whereas iOS, macOS to a degree, have all been kind of tinkered far more heavily. Um, and it's I think quite often the you know the the rhetoric after WWDC is oh, what about iPadOS? Did it only get that? So surely this year they they can't um, particularly have having launched this, you know, the M1 iPad, um, that they've, yeah, they, they'd really be shooting themselves in the foot if they, um, they, they know how much flack they'd be in for, I think, if they didn't quite live up to expectations, wouldn't they? Yeah, I, I would expect to see, so, you know, all the, the hoo-ha they made about Big Sur, I think we're going to see that level of change in iPad OS, hopefully, okay. or, or at least, uh, an ex, you know, an expression of intent, because it, it may not be ready yet, and there's only, they've only got one iPad that's got the M1 in it. But certainly I think they would be keen to show the possibilities. Um, and the thing that, it, and I, I don't think we'll see it at WWDC, but certainly a, the, a bit further ahead, when you've got two devices that got an M1 in them, I'm really excited about the potential. And it's, it, it, it may or may not happen, and, you know, but it, it, the point is, is that it's, it's feasible that you could hook your M1-based iPad Pro up to your M1-based Mac and have double the processing power over that over the new Thunderbolt ports. The new I, iPad Pro has got the Thunderbolt as well, so you've got 40 gigabit per second bandwidth, which means that you could effectively, sh- you know, share all of the resources available across those two chips to do some really crazy stuff. I don't think we'd see that at WWDC, but certainly I think that that's would be something. You know, so we got sidecar. Yeah today and I, I think i said this on the discord i can see a future where we've got tandem where you've got the two devices working cooperatively together to enable a completely new kind of experience yeah well maybe we'll see maybe it isn't too early to see that <clears throat> who knows weirdly there's been no leaks has there? there's been nothing really from uh, i know you very rarely get software leaks these days from apple it's quite mm. a rare thing isn't it because it's it's much much easier to control something that doesn't have a supply chain in that respect but um there hasn't as far as i'm aware anyway i'm taking a bit of a break from rumors at the moment but i don't think there's been any kind of leaks about ipad os coming up have you seen any I have not. No, no, they're very, very good about... I guess it's much easier to keep yeah. software under wraps than people sticking their noses into the supply chain and going, oh, you know, you know, case manufacturers <laughs> sort of leaking their moulds and this sort of thing. So, yeah, I mean, physical products, a bit harder to, to keep a lid on that. But the software stuff, I guess... Fingers crossed there's something big, big in the works, let's hope so. Um, but, yeah, in terms of hardware, uh, iMac. Let's talk iMac. Um, I've just had the really bad news that I've got to wait another month for mine, basically, because deliveries in the UK, or certainly in, if you live in Leamington Spa in my house, then Apple <laughs> seems to pinpoint me as, as being always delayed. But um, So I've got to wait a bit longer for mine. But uh, also, I've I've put together a couple of buying guides for this, and I've had a couple of people comment, understandably, the fact that I haven't had, had my hands on it yet. But I, I personally think this iMac is about a... 
it's a sure thing for so many people. Um, take the screen, the screen for example. It's it's going to be great. I'd be very surprised if we yeah. unbox that 24-inch iMac and you think, oh, God, what they did into this retina screen. It's just going to look fantastic like they always do. Um, we know what the M1's like. It is basically just a M1 Mac Mini shoved into the bottom of that that chin, um, which I'm sure we'll come on to in a minute. But um, I, I really liked it. I, I really like the design. Uh, and very quickly on that chin thing, because I know everyone keeps going on about it, <clears throat> although it will kind of disappear and people will forget it, yeah, it was an issue in, in a couple of weeks. But um, without it, it's not an iMac. And I think I, hmm. I'm, I was guilty, I think as a lot of people were, of getting a bit lost in the rumours about seeing this kind of pro XDR display like iMac coming onto the market. But when you think about Cheese it... She's greater chic. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but when you think about it, that's not going to be an iMac. It's just going to look like a monitor. Hmm. And Apple are all mm. about retaining um, unique product design features. So I, I understand why they get the chin. It's weird that the Apple logo is not on there. Very odd. Um, mm. I know you've got thoughts about the the bezels and the, the white bezels. But yeah, I, 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 really, I really like it. It's not a machine personally for me, although I'm getting one into review. I, I wouldn't buy it normally anyway. I want the, the big pro version when that, whenever that uh, comes available. But um, as, a, as a home computer... I think it's it looks fantastic. Yeah, I agree. I think it's genuinely good value because if you want a 24-inch 4K P3 color accurate display from a reputable manufacturer like, you know, Dell, um you're looking at 600 quid plus. Yeah. And so, you know, if if you wanted to roll your own with a M1 Mac mini and a display of your choice, you're going to be spending at least the asking price of an iMac. And then you might also want a magic keyboard or a trackpad or a mouse. No, no one wants the mouse, do they? <laughs> but uh, the, you know, in, well, certainly at the moment you can't get them in the uh, you know the sort of color coordinated thing because that's really cool. Of course. Um, and yeah, no, I've I've changed my position on the white bezels. When I looked at it, it was jarring and I didn't like it because it was new and it was different and I'm resistant to change because I'm old and grumpy. But now I've thought about it, it it's a throwback, isn't it, to the mm. iMac G3. So yeah. the colours is a throwback, the white sort of... Because Apple was all... Everything was always white, wasn't it? And it still is, in a, like your AirPods Pro. And the, the, the white has always been an Apple thing. Mm. Um, they've somehow managed to make white cool instead of washing machine, which is, <laughs> you know, what it was before. Yeah. Um, and... I think it was like the, the iPod that had a white front, unless you wanted the, the Bono edition. But the, you haven't um, got one of those, have you? What? The Bono edition. No, no I, never, I never owned an iPad. I was a Zoom, Zoom oh, guy because oh, I'm an idiot. No, no I, genuinely, I, genuinely, I thought the Zoom was brilliant, I, I, the, which you know, then went on to become the sort of Windows phone UI, but it was just so fluid hmm. and whizzy, unlike the really... Um, sort of pixelated iPod interface that that popularised the whole the whole notion of paying for MP3s. But no, no, I really like the Zoom. Anyway, that's a it conversation for another day. Yeah. But um, the iMac design, I think, is actually now I think about it. Now I've had some time to digest. I think it's a stroke of genius because for ages we've been moaning that the product line has become a bit of a mess what's pro what's use for what's for home 
it wasn't really clear in the same way that it has been in the past where you, know, you would have your iMac for home or and you'd have your uh, Power Mac for the professional use or you have your iBook or your PowerBook. It was very, very clear the distinction between what was aimed at the professional market and what was aimed for your nan. And now they've gone back to this, this the, the, the bright colours and the white surround hmm. which is friendly and it's it's also completely different from anything out there yeah. because the rest of the market have followed apple's lead in going down that everything needs to be milled from a single piece of alum, aluminium and it's all got it's all very you know professional looking you know you've got black surrounds you've got lots of you know space gray or whatever apple i think sort of led that trend and everyone's now caught up, and you've got your your, uh, your Surface books and, and that kind of thing, which are, they, they're all the Ultrabooks look like MacBook Airs now, basically. Yeah. And so now they're, they're moving things on a bit by going back to the iMac G3 sort of design language with the bold colours and the white surround. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if the next revision of the MacBook Air also comes in a range of fluffy colours with a white bezel and a white keyboard to further distance the stuff that is meant for everyone and then the stuff that's really meant for the pros, which will continue to come in, your, your space greys and your silvers and that sort of thing. Yeah. That makes sense. I think, I think it's, they've ushered in a new, the new era of Apple design language with the iMac. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I was listening to... Um the talk show John Gruber yesterday and he was taught I can't remember who, who his guest was but they were having a really a really interesting conversation about the fact that what Apple are doing with the M1 at the moment like John was saying where do they go from this with their prosumer and consumer and the pro devices because if they launch an M2 iMac or MacBook Pro next month what do they then do with the M1 do they create an M1X do they do or do they give it the same chip and if you give it the same chip as the you know, if you give the, the MacBook Air the same chip as the MacBook Pro, for example, then where do you differentiate them? And actually, it could be something as simple and aesthetic as just the colours. Because they've created this chip, which is you know, astronomically powerful. Um, it's completely within their control. Um, but it's also pretty simple in the terms of the way the, the way it's you, you can spec it up, basically. Um, and I, I know they can do things with different you know, numbers of cores and what have you. But it might be that, they, like you say, they just... Because we are, as humans, we're, we're pretty fickle, really. You know, if, if you want a red MacBook um, and you don't really count yourself as a, as a professional, then you go for the air. Even if, actually, you're getting the exact same computer inside as a professional in inverted commas, um, MacBook Pro. Um, but yeah, it's that's a right. I hope they do that with the MacBook Air. I'd love a, I'd love a red MacBook Air or something like that. I, I think that would be cool. I, and I, I, I think it would solve this sort of this perception issue or this, this confusion in the minds of potential buyers. Well, do I want the Pro? Do I want the? It would make it very clear. You know, if you want, if you want, you know. Uh, a regular device that's going to do everything that you need it to do and it's going to look cool then get a macbook air with the white surround and the colors that matches your imac yeah or you know if you if you want if you don't mind something that's a bit thicker with no you know bigger fans and you know you might need to plug it in occasionally then you get the 
the, the Pro. And that's, the, that's the amazing thing about the M1 chip is that you've got it from, it's now in a tablet and a, you know, a desktop computer and an all-in-one mm. and several laptops. And depending on the context in which the chip is placed, do you want thin and ultralight? Well, then it can perform like that. Yeah. Do you want it, you know, in a, with fans and to, to get a bit more power out of it? Well, then yeah, for, for longer, because I mean, in, in short bursts, they both perform the same, don't they? But yeah. if you've got like a longer task, like rendering a video or something, and you need that active cooling, well, then it can do that. It's yeah. just a sort of one size fits all, which is quite astonishing. It's, it's a genuine breakthrough and a, 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 an achievement really mm. a technological achievement it's probably exciting yeah and just very quickly on the bezel thing because you, you did make a good point again in the, in the discord server about the um yeah for people that are color grading and, and what have you which i hadn't thought of at all actually but you, you're quite right you know there's no just kind of defined end end to the screen doesn't give you that kind of enclosed um editing window um that mm-hmm. that will be interesting i think i might perhaps do that test that you suggested in terms of doing a a grade on on my normal monitor versus the iMac. Um, I don't know if the, how how much of a distinguishable difference there'll be, but it, it does raise the question about whether they'll, they'll just keep the same design aesthetic for the the Pro version or the you know the, the larger version of the iMac with the you know the, the faster M chip etc. But knowing Apple, they probably will. They'll probably just leave, leave it as it is. I don't think they will. I think I they, think the, the the version the iMac intended for professional use. I don't think could reasonably have a white surround because of the white balance issue because it's going to be reflecting the ambient light in your room and it's just going to mess with your ability to perceive the correct color now i mean i'm not a professional photographer or videographer i don't i've got no idea what i'm talking about really but i have read that the uh, uh that having a white surround has really upset the kind of people that do do that sort of work and it makes sense you know i mean i, I think the white surround is so different and it's why i was i had such a a negative initial response to it because it really shocked me i think that's on purpose i think it's i think it's symbolic it's not black it, it looks nothing like the old imac yeah. on purpose it's like, look, this is new now we've got the apple silicon forget everything else this is how it is now mm. um and so i think that that sort of you know call back to the old imac G3 design language. I think it's quite powerful. And yeah. I, uh, I'd be genuinely surprised if we don't see it come to the, to, the, to the other sort of lower end Mac products as they get refreshed ongoing. Because I think the reason they use the same chassis as the Intel versions for the current laptops is A, for the familiarity. Because yeah. I think if they ushered in M1 with loud colored MacBook Airs with white surrounds and white keyboards, I think that would have been a bit too far. I think. Yeah, they wanted to ease people in by saying, look, it's exactly the same Mac that you used to use with the with the old Intel chip that the fans span up and the battery life was terrible. Yep. But now, now that it's got all the good press that it's got, now they can unleash the right, okay, this is how it's going to be yeah. moving forward. So they've sort of um, eased us in gently with a familiar chassis that was brilliant design already. And then once M1 has proven itself, they've gone, right, here you go have that iMac yeah this is 
this is what we're doing now. I think it's such a smart move. It, it just makes total sense to put it put it in that in that iMac. Um, I was really pleased when I saw what they'd done with that. I wasn't expecting to see the the big iMac or anything like that. I think that that comes later this year, hopefully. But um, I can't wait to get mine. I can't wait to try it out. I just wish they had made the um, the spec options a little bit clearer for like going back to to your nan. You know, <laughs> um, uh, uh, again, it's not it's not completely confusing, but it is if you're not not us you know the, the, the whole seven core gpu thing and i understand why that's there it just confuses people because I've, I've seen the result of that in comments and things and um the, the ports thing as well is a bit a little bit confusing um again given the market this is aimed at i don't think it's a, a massive deal but certain things will catch people out like if people are again this is probably a smaller portion of the market but if people are using that ethernet port um and just buy the base level iMac thinking it'll be there they'll get a bit of a bit of a surprise um and then you get the whole you know two thunderbolt four uh, sorry thunderbolt usb slash four ports versus four ports two of which are usb three it, it just starts to get a bit kind of old apple in terms of the, the way you have to spec this thing up i don't know that most people are going to care about the ethernet probably I think not. we're sort of in a pretty wireless world now and yeah if it's for if, you know if it's going to go on your kitchen worktop you're unlikely to have an ethernet port in there yeah that's true very true i love that oh, yeah. <laughs> just very quickly on that the the, the um the kind of promotional video for the iMac where there's a guy on his he's got an iMac next to his sink i thought who, who does yeah. that <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently that's that's what we do now <laughs> Very bizarre. Um, yeah, so anyway, I can't wait to get mine whenever it arrives in August or something, whenever Apple bothered to send it to me. But um, You've been mo- really unfortunate with your Apple deliveries. I don't know what it I is. Don't know what's I, going on there. Honestly, it's been like this ever since COVID hit. Um, it can't just be COVID-based, but it, I think it's had a big impact on it. But I, I'd assumed it was not, wasn't just me, but it does seem whenever I ask people, they, they all seem to be getting their Apple deliveries on time. And every time I've ordered something over the last 12 months, I've got that initial email that says, yeah, it's going to arrive on the date you expect and then give it a week and I'll get another email saying, oh, there's been a change to your, your shipment. And I've, I don't get it with any other uh, manufacturer or supplier that sends stuff here. They all send stuff on time, but Apple doesn't seem to want to. I don't quite get it. That is weird. I, mean, I, I haven't bought anything new from Apple well, for quite some time because I'm poor so I always wait until the stuff turns up on the refurb store or if I see a deal on some other site. So, yeah, I can't, I've got no, exp- oh, actually, have I? I bought, um, no, I mean, that was refurb as well. Uh, yeah, so my, my iPad Pro, I got the 2018 iPad Pro 12 inch and um, that came up on the refurb store. Okay. And that, yeah, it turned up in a couple of days. So, but I guess that's different, isn't it? Because that's that's the stuff they've got knocking around, rather than stuff that's probably hot off the hot off the boat from China. Possibly. So it's going to take God knows how long. Yeah. Well, you did help me with one purchase, though. You helped me with my AirTag. Oh yeah, that Sing- was a, singular. just a chance encounter. <laughs> I was just on the Argos anyway, and uh, there it was. Yeah, for, for anyone listening who isn't in the UK, Argos is this kind of magical world where you walk into a store and give them a bit of paper of something that you want and they disappear and, and bring it to you, or it comes down a conveyor belt. But um, they do, weirdly, they, they do often have Apple stuff seemingly before Apple, don't they? And, they, they? and in this case, they got me an AirTag far quicker than Apple could get me one. So, yeah, well spotted with that. But um, So I've been using I my... Miss the, uh, I do miss the Book of Dreams. The Again, Book of Dreams. It's still there. It's still there. Hey? It is definitely still there. 
I think is it? it? I'm sure it is. Yeah, I'm sure it's online only. Or maybe they said that they were going to stop printing the Book of Dreams, and then uh, everyone got so upset they decided to continue. Possibly. Yeah. We've, 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 we have to look that up. We've literally just alienated about eighty percent of the audience <laughs> for that, but I like that. Um, but yeah, no, the air, air tags. I've, I've had an air tag now since Saturday, and um, I wrote about this recently. It's it's the not the I won't use the word boring, <clears throat> but it is satisfyingly boring. <laughs> so I will use it. Yeah. Um, it's just it just does exactly what it says on the tin. Um, and I know that there was so a, a couple of people have noticed as I did that on the box for the um, air tags it's got um, 2020 as the date and apparently a lot of the uh, the kind of things that you attach them to you know like the luggage tags and things some of them even say 2019 apparently so they've been ready for oh, wow. absolutely forever i don't know why it's taken so long for them to come out but obviously that just fueled the the rumors and the all the anticipation and stuff and apple just i, don't, I thought i don't know about you but I, I just thought at the event it was just kind of like yeah here they are that they do this they do that we thought about privacy um, you can attach them to this that and the other they're available in May. Off you go. Hmm. Well, it was a bit I, of guess, muted I guess the reason launch. for the delay is, is you know, as, as you pointed out on your blog, is they had to get the story right to make sure that uh, the press didn't didn't jump on them. So I think they had to get the story right, but also they had to build out the Find My Network and make it available to third parties so that they wouldn't get accused of anti-competitive behaviour, which has happened anyway, because Tile are understandably salty about the whole situation. But I don't know why. Because Tile are free to use the Find My Network infrastructure, um, and they sell a range of products, some of which are cheaper than the AirTag, some of which are sort of on par, and some which are considerably more expensive. Mm. So Tile, you know, cover many more areas of the Bluetooth tag market. I don't know what the technical <laughs> segment is for Tile. We'll but, you know, the, 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 that, that, for that kind of device, if you think... Of a, of a Bluetooth tracking, you know, thing that enables you to find your keys or your wallet or whatever. Mm. I would think most people would probably think Tile because they've been there, they've been around for ages. Yep. And you know, I myself, I all of my, anything that I want to be able to find in that way has got a Tile on it. My keys have got a Tile, my wallet's got a Tile. I've got various Tile devices already. Yeah. And it, it works. I've never actually had a reason to use it. I've not, I've, ne- I've neither lost my keys somewhere, you know, out and about, and then had to go and find it. I haven't lost anything, you know, within earshot to need to buzz it. Um, and I haven't found anyone else's. But it's just nice to know that if I do drop my keys somewhere, leave them on a park bench or whatever, that I'll know where they are. And yeah. that's, that's kind of quite cool. So I'm not sure why Tile are so upset about it because they can continue to produce their device and they're good devices. Yeah, well, you they've got, the they've got built in things that little holes that you can uh, properly attach them to, to stuff. Well, yes, that's the other thing. You don't have to buy an, an accessory that costs the same again in order to be able to attach it to yeah. anything. So, yeah, I, it makes me wonder what, well, you know, maybe power, they must have invested a lot of money in their own because Tile have essentially got their own Find My Network, which I imagine they've mm. ploughed a lot of resource into making happen yeah and i guess they're like oh well brilliant what do we do now because everyone's <laughs> just going to use this the find my infrastructure that's probably what i think that's probably why they've got so salty about it i think it's just a, oh, apple have 
they're going to Sherlock us basically. I, th- I think that's probably the reason that they're they're like that because, like, like you said, there's no there's no reason to be apart from that you might be scared of what Apple are doing. And if Apple are doing it, then that's going to be the you know, the, that, the whole thing about a billion devices that make up this you know, Find My network. It's hard to compete against that, isn't it? <clears throat> um, mm. But if they can tag onto the back of it and. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think the biggest thing with AirTags, like I said, I, I, I think they should exist. I think it's a great idea. Um, I'm a bit like you, though. I don't tend, I shouldn't say this, but touch wood, I don't tend to lose <laughs> stuff. Um, and everything else I I kind of used to take out with me has been digitized. You know, I, I don't really take out my wallet anymore, if I'm honest. I, I've put that, um, the first AirTag I, I, I've got into my wallet. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, well, it, I, I always know where it is because it's always in the kitchen cupboard where I, I leave it because I don't take it anywhere. It's, um, yeah, I don't know. I'd, take note, burglars. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but, but which one? I haven't said which one. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I've, I think I've, I've talked about putting it on my dog, although apparently that's not a good idea because as soon as it gets detached from you, it just starts beeping and then obviously poor, poor Eddie's going to be sat there thinking, what's this thing beeping away in my collar? Um, well, I think if it's within the house, you'll probably be all right. I think, I imagine that the range is sufficient that as long as you're, you know, within a reasonable distance, it's not like it, as soon as he goes out of the room, it's going to start beeping. That's true. Him yeah. out. So I think it might still work. Certainly worth a, worth an experiment. It's just those times when I'm not with him. If he's perhaps with a, a, a relative or something, or I don't know, we, we go away or something and he's with someone else, then I assume it just starts oh, yeah. beeping and then everyone's going to just be, keep beeping. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but but apart from him and my key, I suppose the keys is the obvious thing. I'm going to have five of these things now and I've got to really think hard about what I'm going to do with them. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, so... Stick them on eBay. Possibly, yeah, who knows. Um, Yeah, I I, I, I don't know. I haven't got much more to say about AirTags. It's it's the simplest review I've done, really. I'm, I'm even debating whether it's worth doing a video about them simply because what more do you say, you know? I don't tend to do unboxings. They're not very exciting to unbox. Um, they're very pretty. They're, they're, they're pretty impractical. You know, I mentioned earlier that I put them into my, um, put one of them into my, my wallet. I guarantee that's going to fall out because all, all I can do with it is put it where the notes go or behind one of the mm. cards. But then you've got this great big bulge because they're big. They're much bigger than tile. Um, they're not very heavy, but they're just, they're as nice as they look. It's that typical Apple, Apple thing where they're a little bit, they look nice, but they're not particularly functional in that respect. So, um, which then means you've got to attach a, like you say, a 30, 40 or 450 quid um, <laughs> Hermes um, tag onto it. Ludicrous. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll keep you updated with what I do with mine. But um, just that brings us on to the Apple TV, which um, I created a bit of, of a stir about Apple TV on uh, Medium by kind of suggesting that Apple should just can it completely. Um, that was... Yeah, that didn't go well, did no, it? Not really. <laughs> I think I had, I think it's about 90 comments on it now, and I think three of them agree with me. So, um, yeah, not particularly popular, that. But that, that was my my personal opinion. Um, that said, I, I do like the look of this new one, even though, ironically, it's pretty much the same as the, the outgoing 4K Apple TV. Um, I'm very glad I missed out on the remote, the Siri remote, because... Did you have that? Have you used that? Oh, oh, it's awful. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, the experience is hateful. Um, so yeah, I don't use it. Um, I, on your iPhone, if you're on the same network as your Apple TV, you can, if you're, you can connect to your Apple TV from your phone and use your phone as the remote. So I always do that because I've always got my phone on me and the actual remote is horrific. 
So yeah, so you're, you you did well to not have to experience that. Because this new one actually looks quite good. Yeah, it looks great, doesn't it? I love I love that um, color correction thing. Although apparently you can do that on the existing one, can't you? It's just a software. Update. You can, yeah. So as I I just updated my, so I've got the the, the current. Well, the old, I guess now, <laughs> Apple TV 4K. I did the uh, the calibration. It does seem to make a difference. It's subtle. It makes everything warmer. Or yep. at least it did the, for my setup. Obviously, I must my TV must be set a bit too cool. Yeah. Um, but it gives you a side by side view that this is this is how it would output before we did the calibration. This is what it looks like now. Um, and yeah, it is. It's a slight but noticeable difference. Yeah, I'm looking forward to using it. I, I, I think. Uh, what I'll do is use it as my only streaming box, apart from when we have to watch Sky, which I won't go into my thoughts on, on Sky. But it's, um, <laughs> uh, I suppose, in fairness to Sky, that it is, if you're in the UK, pretty much the best in terms of terrestrial and um, sort of cable TV, if you want to call it that. Um, but that aside, I'm going to just use this Apple TV as much as I can. Uh, and I'm quite looking forward to that. I did, for some reason, upgrade to the 64 gig version. Um, I don't know why. I don't know what I'm going to put on it. Uh, I'm, I'm probably not going to play games on it, but 20, 20 quid. It was 20, yeah, it was 20 quid, wasn't it? I don't know. It's, it'd be silly not to, I think. I think so. Uh, particularly, you know, with, with the new A12 chip in it, I imagine that there's going to be, again, you give developers the... Because previously you haven't seen much in the way of games on the Apple TV because it's got like an A10X or something, doesn't it? Yeah. But now it's got an A12 in there, so you can effectively... And I've, I've played several games on the you know combination of, of Apple TV and iPad, depending on whether or not the television is available, um, when they announced the, the Apple Arcade. So I sort of had a go. I'm not a big gamer, but I was like, okay, we'll give that a go because yeah. they gave me a month to try out some stuff so i played like choo choo rocket universe um and then later on i think it was several months maybe even a year into uh, apple arcade there was the beyond a steel sky which is the follow-up to a, a retro oh, 90s point-and-click adventure that i loved as a kid what, what was the original um, called uh beneath a steel Be- sky. Oh, oh, you're taking me back now i'd lost yeah. so much of my youth to that i, I love that was that on the amiga yeah, all those sort of platforms. Yeah. I, I, I did like. Was it an Amiga? I think I played it on PC. Maybe it was PC. But I'm sure it. it would have been available for the Amiga. Showing our age probably again. not the not the Atari ST though. Probably wasn't powerful enough. No, but the Atari Never ST did have built-in MIDI ports, which is still the best thing ever. It did. Yeah, I was an ST guy. Yeah. So I lost out on lots of games. I mean, we did get them. Like we had Shadow of the Beast, but it looked rubbish compared to the Amiga <laughs> version. But I could. I could. I could record stuff into into notator. Exactly. What more do you need? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'll try again. I'll, I'll give them a go. And uh, again, I don't know about app. I mean, did, did you use? Have you installed many sort of third party? Are there any third party Apple TV apps that are worth trying out? Um, so the one I use because I'm pretty heavily invested into HomeKit. Hmm. And anything that isn't natively HomeKit supported, I'm fooling into, you know, Apple into thinking is a HomeKit by using a Raspberry Pi running um, HomeBridge. So, because it's possible to do that, because there are various devices that don't aren't official sort of HomeKit devices, and there are ways that you can bring those into your HomeKit. So, when you go into the Home app on your phone or your iPad or whatever, you can control those devices as though they were native. Yeah. But um, I've got a number of HomeKit cameras. And there is, um, there's quite a good app, and I forget what it's called, but it, it basically is a, an alternative camera app 
that um, will run on your Apple TV, on your Apple Watch, on your iPad, on your iPhone, and enable you to um, interact with those cameras in a more meaningful way than you can via the app, Apple Home app. Hmm. I must, okay. I'll see if I can yeah, find it, it in, the, in the show notes. But um, Home Cam, that's home what it's cam. called. I don't know how smart your house is. It's not as smart as it should be um hmm. i used to have a smart house but then I moved and i haven't bothered with this one at all uh, that that's another thing with the apple tv that i'm i'm interested in the whole point of it being a, a hub um for home kit um because the, the only home kit stuff i have to be honest is the and they've stopped working funny enough but the the lights beneath this desk these led strip lights they still work but they don't work on home kit anymore they've just stopped and i can't work out why i reset them and this doesn't work for some reason but hmm. um but I, that's uh, why that's why I, I'm that's why I always use Hue because basically every bulb in the house is Hue. Okay, and the reason is is I've tried I've tried the the knockoffs and they're cheap for a reason. Yep, you know I've had very that stuff fail or stuff is working today and stops working tomorrow. You pay too much money for Hue. It is it's too expensive. They they take the mic frankly, but it's rock solid. It I works. just I never have any issues. Yeah. So that's why I'm happy to. I'm not happy to, but I do begrudgingly <laughs> hand over to, the, yeah. the money yeah. for the Hue because I know it's going to work. Well, I've probably proved that with these strip lights, but they, they were cheap anyway, like you say, cheap cheap for a reason. Buy once, buy buy twice, buy cheap, buy twice. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I do think I do like the idea of the Apple TV getting me a bit more into the home kit side of things because um, yeah, the house needs to be smarter than it is. It's, you know, I've got every every assistant going, which is confusing because you forget, when you're in the room, you forget which assistant is in that room. I'm always asking my HomePod Mini to do something via Alexa, which doesn't work. And then, so yeah, I need to get that sorted because it's a mess in this house at the moment. So ho- hopefully, the Apple TV will help get me into that into that realm. Hopefully. Um, there were some, just before we sign off, there were some other st- things uh, announced at uh, the Spring Loaded event. We can probably cover these in like one word, I think. Um, so the purple iPhone. Meh. Yeah, purple. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice purple, but um, Apple Card. For, I, I didn't really get this. I, I haven't got, we can't get Apple Card, I don't think, in the UK, can we? I don't think it's a, Not yet, a thing no. over here. Um, I didn't really understand this. It's something about giving your kids credit. And- I, I think I think that's quite good. I th- I think the ability to sort of merge your credit lines and allow everyone to build credit rating um, on the same level. Yep. I think I think that's good. I think that's a good thing because previously that was not a thing. You know, the the yes, you could have someone else with an, a you know a card on your account but it would be the card owner that would be using that, that would be building that credit um, history okay yeah and now that's shared and also the ability to to give kids pocket money so give the kids uh, an apple card and then give them an allowance and sort of teach them good spending habits good financial hygiene from you know well from what from the age of 13 i think it is you've is got it? Okay. minimum age of 13 okay I, I didn't i missed that part of it but that's yeah again we don't get it over here so we can't i don't know if it, if it's ever gonna arrive in the uk they're, they're probably battling with our banks at the moment but i'm still trying to get my head around apple offering a, a credit card anyway it's still a, an odd thing as far as i'm concerned but i know why they're doing it um but yeah we we, we have limited exposure to it in, in the uk don't we yeah it's not not something of any interest to us really. i mean what, what the uh before they talked about the apple card they talked about their environmental efforts, they did That's which right. is always nice to hear I don't, yep. I don't think people sort of 
talk about it or champion it enough so i just want to drop that in there that no definitely I think that's really encouraging the, the the amount of effort that they go to to be carbon neutral and use renewable energy and you know recycle all the things i yep. think it's good yeah well that was always the thing that they put at the end they still do to, to a degree they put it at the end of a product announcement it would be that great big slide with all the green things on it and all the renewable stuff and whereas this like you say this time they actually i think they pretty much opened with it didn't they, they, they um, did, yeah. and then i think the, the day that followed the event um, the front page of the Apple website turned into this whole thing about 2030 being their carbon neutral target, whatever it was, um, which was, again, elevated above all of those product releases, which is, is great. I think it's fantastic. I think they they do seem to be leading the way with that, which is which is great. Um, the other thing very quickly they mentioned was the podcasts um, update, which has subsequently re- resulted in a podcast app uh, update, which seems to have gone down really badly. I've had no issues with it personally, but I, I don't... <clears throat> I think a lot of the issues have been to, relating to syncing and that sort of stuff. I only listen to podcasts on my on my iPhone, so I haven't really run into any issues. But um, the the big announcement, I think, really um, was the, the, the kind of new paid podcast platform for creators, which. Personally, I, I get the why they're doing it. I think it's a very simple route into getting into podcasting and potentially monetizing it. Um, but it does cut you off from quite a big audience because obviously it only goes through through iTunes. You can't then put that same podcast through Spotify or you know, any any one of the other podcast networks that are definitely worth your time. You know, Google Podcasts, for example. Um, but I can see why they've done it, and I, I think it probably will have quite a quite a significant take up, just given how popular this is these days. Hmm. So we don't think Patreon are going to be too concerned just yet. It's such a different thing, isn't it? I think Patreon's a much more open um, platform. You can you can do what you like with Patreon, really. Whereas with this new Apple Podcasts subscription thing, it's it's just Apple Apple only, isn't it? But um, who knows? It'll be interesting to see what they do with that. That's it. Have, have I missed anything in, in the list of spring-loaded stuff? I don't think so. I think we've pretty much covered it. Yeah. But, yeah. The, the, the overall feeling i have about the event is that i was excited immediately before watching it as i always am as i have been since i started watching them and i was a bit meh at the time yep apart from the m1 and the ipad pro which i'm very excited about for what will happen in the future yeah but yeah now i've had a couple of weeks to digest it it's all starting to make a bit more sense you know the more i think about it the more i like the sort of things that they talked about and the, you know, the more excited I get for WWDC and beyond. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a genuinely good event. And yeah, I, I, like yourself, I would really like to see more of these video productions. I think they're a really nice way to, to announce things. Just less transitions with whales, because that was a bit weird. Yeah. That's the, <laughs> fewer whales next time, Tim. <laughs> less whales, right. please, Tim. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, Rob. All right, see ya.